theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at all things theology. Well, grace and peace, grace and peace, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology. We're your host, K-Dub, and today, today, we are going to be talking about Mike Todd. And is he a biblical pastor? Is he someone you should be listening to? Stay tuned. But before we do that, make sure you like that button. Hit the subscribe button if you're not. Always click the notification bell so you'll be aware when I drop content. As you see, we've made a few adjustments here. A few upgrades. It is good to see everyone out there. Hope you enjoying uh, the week Monday, your Monday, the Monday before uh, Thanksgiving. Hope you have good time with family, friends, all those, uh, you know, other things that come with that. Um, yeah, so <laughs> hope you guys. Hope you, how, how do you like the setup? Let's let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about the setup. Yeah, man, it's always getting some love from uh, my man Rick Caldwell. If you guys are like what I do, you got to subscribe to Rick as well. Uh, Rick does some amazing work, and so like to support those who uh, do good work as well. So, yeah, made some upgrades. Going to be talking about some of that stuff. Other things that's going on here with the ministry, with all things theology. Stick up. See, this is why you got to watch the video, the whole video. You know, I encourage you to watch all the the content. So yeah, let's, let's discuss how we got here. Well, I was on Facebook, uh, and I saw someone responding to a video of Mike Todd and it was fairly new. And Mike Todd was talking about tithing and I'm kind of weary when people talk about tithing and I'm going to explain why later, uh, because it's usually bad sermons. It's been my experience that most people, most pastors, Drop the ball when it comes to tithing, the issue of tithing, right? Um, and so I watched it and I was like, wow, that was uh, pretty, pretty bad. But I was like, you know what? Let me watch the full, full sermon, right? Because, you know, lots of times people accuse you of taking things out of context. So I was like, okay, let me watch it so I can hear, hear, see this in context. And I was like, Wow this is bad, <laughs> you know, same reaction, you know, I had to hit him with the, you know, and it got me asking this question that I asked in the beginning to you, and I would like to hear you guys answer, I want this to be an interactive uh, video, I want this to be an interactive uh, show today, okay, it got me asking the question, is Mike Todd a biblical pastor, now I think for us, it might seem like an easy answer, Right. Because for, how do many people uh, uh, believe a biblical pastor should be or, or think someone's a biblical pastor? Oftentimes, it's if they speak very well, they're eloquent, if they can hold someone's attention for a while, man, they'll give them a mic and throw them up there and they're the pastor. Very interesting. Right. It just shows you how low the standard is for many of us today. Right. But we're going to get into the biblical text. We're going to talk about the qualifications of an elder. Is Mike Todd biblically qualified? But you want to know what? You want to know something interesting? We don't even have to get to the text. You know why? Because Mike Todd himself admits to this when he first started. Like he was, says he was not qualified. Now, um, if someone tells you they're not qualified, I think we should probably listen to them and say, hey, 
uh, yeah, we if you're saying you're not qualified, then you should not be pastoring. But let's allow me to I spend enough time uh, talking. Let's let me let Mike Todd tell you he's not qualified. And I'm going to tell you a really long story in like a really short amount of time. So me and my wife started pastoring a church called Transformation Church, but it wasn't Transformation Church. At first, it was a church called Greenwood Christian Center. And a white gentleman went to the hood to plant a church because he heard about what happened with the race riots in 1921, which really was a race massacre. You can look it up if you need to. And, and, and what ended up happening, he said, go to the hood and start a church. And that white gentleman was like, you sure me? And he was like, yep, I want you to go there and plant it. So he leads that church church for 16 years and then he sees me and he was like you should be the pastor of the church I was like you didn't hear from God and and so anyway like I'm like okay I guess I'm supposed to do this and God confirmed it to me and it was so crazy and I need to encourage somebody with this right now because I wasn't qualified I had six months of high quality Tulsa communicate Tulsa Community College education I'm talking about next level education and and God said I called you because I used the foolish things to confound the wise. And there's some people that don't think they can do what God has asked them to do because they're not qualified. But God never calls qualified people. He only qualifies people that answer the call. And so I answered the call to go into ministry, started walking in this season. And then God was like, yeah, pastor the church. Well, started pastoring the church. And then this little um, series we did called Relationship Goals, it went viral. And then when, when, when Relationship Goals went viral, people watching it on YouTube. YouTube, and the people that lived in Tulsa that didn't know we was in Tulsa started finding out we was in Tulsa, and so they started coming to the church. Thank you, YouTube. And so we went from one service to five services in 10 months. They was trying to kill me. Now, I know that was a bit lengthy, but I wanted you to hear all of that, and I wanted you, you guys know how I tell you, I tell you all the time. Think about it. Think about it, right? What was said was not biblical. Although it sounded good, and for most part, most people will say, hey, that's great. That's awesome, right? God uses the, the, the foolish things to shame the wise. And, and although that verse is true, the context is not pastoral ministry. <laughs> Whenever someone asks, you know, is using a text, I think it's important to go to those texts um, and all that. Yeah, my brother Rick, you're going to steal my thunder, bro. <laughs> education is good, but a qualified pastor is about much more than education. Absolutely. And we're going to go back and listen to that clip. I wanted to play it just so you could be thinking about how you would respond. I'm a big proponent of that. Being able to uh, you know, think for yourself, so to speak, and being able to uh, accurately respond yourselves and not being dependent upon someone else. Um, and so I think that's important. So you guys know how we do it. We're going to. Run it back. Run it back. So let's do that again. And I'm going to tell you a really long story in like a really short amount of time. So me and my wife started pastoring a church called Transformation Church. But it Red flag off the back, right? Red flag off the back. Him and his wife were pastoring a church. They were, they were pastoring together. Let me say this. Only men can pastor. It is uh, women. There is no such thing, biblically speaking, right? If the Bible is informing us of our views, there's no such thing as a female pastor, right? The first trans movement, right, uh, is egalitarianism. Um, but no, seriously, the, the role of an elder is only to be 
occupied by a male and a qualified male of that. Not every male. <laughs> We're going to see that in a second. I'm going to go over some of the qualifications of an elder and to show you how, um, like I said, by his own admission, that he, he is not uh, he, he, he is not qualified. But yeah, first red flag, he states that he and his wife were pastoring a church together. OK, and so he's actually giving you the history of how he became a pastor. So listen up, listen up, guys, we, we have to be Bereans. I'm not telling you to listen with a critical spirit to everything, right? Not, not to, not everything, right? But we should also, at the same time, we should be listening with listening ears. Is this lining up with biblically, biblically with the Bible, right? Um, I, I, th I think we should be listening with those ears. When you're listening in your sermon, are you, are you asking, huh? Yep. That lines up. Yep. Okay, I see how that connects. So I see that point he made. We we got to bring back the art of listening to sermons. I think that is so important today. I know many in the chat would agree. I know my brother Rick Caldwell will agree with what I just said. The art of listening to a sermon, man that that sounds like a good video someone should do. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's uh, keep going. Uh, someone says, give him a yellow flag. On the white part, give him a basic penalty. No, it's a, it's a red flag. That's a definitely a red flag, not a yellow. <laughs> That's a red flag. In Transformation Church, at first it was a church called Greenwood Christian Center, and a white gentleman went to the hood to plant a church because he heard about what happened with the race riots in 1921, which really was a race massacre. You can look it up if you need to. And, and, and what ended up happening, he said, go to the hood and start a church. And that white gentleman was like, you sure me? And he was like, yep, I want you to go there and plant it. So he leads that church for 16 years, and then he sees me. And he was like, you should be the pastor of the church. I was like, you didn't hear from God. So... This guy, he's pastoring this church, uh, predominantly uh, sounds like ethnic black area, which that's fine. That's not an issue. The issue is he points to Mike Todd and says, you should be a pastor. Now, I have some questions here. What was the basis on him saying Mike Todd should pastor? Because by his own Mike Todd's own admission, he was biblically illiterate. Ironically, he still is. Biblically illiterate. And so what was the basis? This guy, this pastor chose Mike Todd as pastor. Now, I have a few speculations. I'm not going to share that publicly, but you know what? I, you know, what I will. I think the reason why Mike Todd was chosen is he's he's a handsome looking fellow. He's charismatic. He can speak well. He's black. <laughs> That's what said. Did he make him the pastor because he was black? That might have had something to do with it. He's speaking in a predominantly black area. Maybe this guy was in the era of wokeness to where people were like, we can't have a white pastor. But nevertheless, let, let, let's drop that one aside for the reason. He's a very charismatic guy. He's likable. He can speak well. He grabs your attention. There's no denying that. But are those reasons the reasons why a pastor should be a pastor? I'm going to look at the text here in a second. Let's keep going. And oh, oh. And Mike Todd even says, no, God didn't tell you that. Well, one thing that a pastor should want to do is pastor. The Bible makes it very clear that the that a elder 
should have the desire for it. So the fact that you were like, no, God didn't tell you that is another red flag. How many red flags has there been in 37 seconds? Multiple. Right. What kind of person desires for the pastoral or what kind of pastor is getting chosen for the pastoral office who doesn't desire it? That person should not pastor. If Let me say this. And this is for if you have good theology or not. If you don't desire the pastoral office, you should not be a pastor because you will get burned out. Right. And it'll, it'll be too much for you. Desire the office. Yeah. Someone says he has a nice outfit, outfit, right? If a pastor does not desire the, the office of elder. Qualified or not, he should not be an elder. And, and you, I've seen this in good, good, solid churches where the pastor got in it for bad reasons. He wanted to make a name for himself, so to speak. And guess what? It never happens. They get burnt out because they're not fulfilling all their dreams and aspirations. It's not taking them where they wanted to go. And guess what? They get burnt out because their heart wasn't right. That's right. That's right. Don't pastor under compulsion. So let's keep hearing what he's saying. And so anyway, like, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to do this. And God confirmed it to me. And it was so crazy. I want to know how God confirmed that. I would be interesting. What stamp of approval, what confirmation gave that to you? I, I'd be interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to know. And I need to encourage somebody with this right now because I wasn't qualified. I had six months of high quality Tulsa communicate Tulsa Community College education. I'm let me say this. Worldly knowledge has no. Uh, let's see. Worldly knowledge has no uh, foundation to where if you're qualified to pastor a church. Let me just say that. You don't have to even have a seminary degree, although those things can be helpful. The issue is, did you know the scriptures where you live? Did you meet the qualification? That's never brought up here. <laughs> the qualifications of an elder. Did you meet these, Mike Todd? That's never brought up. Never. Just interesting. We're going to look at them in a second. But let's go back and uh, yeah, let's 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 say that again. Tulsa communicate Tulsa community college. Oh, oh yeah, he admits to being unqualified. At the very least, Mike Todd, you should not have been pastor pastoring until you were able to meet these qualifications if you desire the office. But we're gonna we're gonna see how he takes a Stephen Furtick approach to being unqualified, right? <laughs> As if this is a a uh, good thing. Let's check it out education i'm talking about next level education and and god said i, I called you because i used the foolish things to confound the wise and there's some people that don't think they can do what god has asked them to do because they're not qualified but god never calls qualified people he that's false that is is false god calls qualified people all the time especially in the pastoral office. Matter of fact, let me say this. God never calls unqualified men to pastor and shepherd his sheep. You must be qualified. We're going to look at that in a second. I know I keep saying that, but we will. If you are unqualified 
when it comes to the unqualifications, then God hasn't called you to the pastoral office. At the very least, not yet. Not till you meet those qualifications. So it just shows you from the jump, from Mike Todd's admission, he, he, was, not unqual- he was not qualified to teach a church. Has things gotten better or worse? I, I think they've gotten worse. Only qualifies people that answer the call. And so I answered the call to go into ministry, started walking in this season, and then God was like, yeah, pastor the church. Well, started pastoring the church, and then this little um, series we did called Relationship Goals, it went viral. And then when, when, when Relationship Goals went viral, people watching it on YouTube, and the people that lived in Tulsa that didn't know we was in Tulsa started finding out we was in Tulsa, and so they started coming to the church. Thank you, YouTube. And so... We went from one service to five services in 10 months. They were trying to kill. Having a sermon go viral is not a sign of God's blessing. Especially if you're admitting you're unqualified. Having a sermon get a lot of views is not a uh, sign of God's approval. Let's, let's look at the text. Let's look at the text because... If what Mike Todd is saying is true, this makes no sense why Paul wrote qualifications for an elder if you don't have to be qualified to be an elder. What? That makes no sense. And can, some, can, somebody, can somebody help me out there? What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Right. Was, was, was he qualified by popularity? I, I, you know what? I know who... I know who uh, qualified him. A lot of these Christians is ducking the smoke. I want all the smoke. You don't know the Bible. Those kind of men qualify you. But nevertheless, look, let's look at the text. Right? Let's look at the text. Qualifications for an elder. First um, Timothy chapter 3, starting at five, verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete. And he's speaking to Titus. So that you might put... What remain into order? Wow. So God's church must be in order and appoint elders. Notice the plurality. That's another time topic for another day, <laughs> right? Appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, so the pastor, the elder, the shepherd must be above reproach. Mike Todd, right? The husband of one wife. And I take this to mean also husband of one wife, but he's not to be a man while he's been a believer to be uh, divorced multiple times. Maybe that may be too extreme for you. We could talk about that another time, but especially if he's at fault, let's let's say that. (laughs) And his children are believers um, and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. So again, repeating this, he must not be arrogant, quick tempered, a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. Interesting. We're going to be talking about some of that today, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, Mike Todd just told us a pastor doesn't have to meet any of these qualifications. Matter of fact, Mike Todd sort of told us the opposite. He said God never calls the qualified. Paul, I don't know what you were thinking because Mike Todd comes around 2,000 years, 2000 years later telling you you're wrong. 
praise God, we got Mike Todd to shepherd the church, right? And so much for scripture, right? Notice what else. And obviously I'm being facetious. I'm, I'm joking. Notice what else Paul says. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So that he may be able. Notice this. I love this part. He may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Also rebuke those who contradict it. Contradict it. The pastor must be able to teach. He must be able to teach and defend. I love, I love how it's, it's both and. You, not one or the other. Right? So many people, they just want to preach. They want to they get fired up and, and preach and have a show. Then when somebody opposes them, they don't know how to deal with it. So much pastoral wisdom given in um, 1 Timothy and Titus. When it comes, these are actually known as the pastoral epistles. Um, these are known as the pastoral epistles. But let's go to another text. First Timothy chapter three, it says. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires, right, he, he has the desire to be office. Of overseer, he desire a noble task. So to the to the uh, issue I brought up, he has a. It's a good thing to desire the pastoral office, but or as Paul says, therefore, right, an overseer must. Now Mike Todd just told us God never calls the qualified, <laughs> but here we have a must. It's an, it's, it's, this must be so not three out of 10, not nine out of 10, but every time this must be the case when someone's being appointed to the elder husband of one wife or, or above reproach, husband of one wife, super sober minded, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. He's an able to teach man. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, he, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. Mm. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of outsiders that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. There's actually a uh, something I wanted to look up. Was it here? No, maybe it was in. Uh... No, I can't. I can't find it. But 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 here we are. Nevertheless, where we are given qualifications of an elder. The very thing Mike Todd just told us, God never calls the qualified. Then why are there qualifications for an elder? If you don't have to meet this, this past, these passages are obsolete. These passages should be thrown out the Bible, according to Mike Todd, because they actually, I mean, it's good wisdom, but you actually don't have to do it. Matter of fact, <laughs> he goes further and says, God never calls the qualified. So if you have qualifications for an elder, I'm sorry. Mike Todd just told you God ain't called you. 
right? Right? I mean, <sighs> this is the very thing I'm, I'm speaking about. Many people are speaking about where men like this should not be preaching. Matter of fact, they shouldn't be leading a church. You get more games and charades than you get Bible. You know, I've, I've gotten a lot of pushback. Remember, you guys might have seen this, the short I made where Mike Todd is, uh, I might play it here. Uh, if some of you, if many people don't know what I'm talking about, Mike Todd's on stage and he's just getting this, the, uh, the snacks thrown on him. Uh, Glenn says, I am not justifying him in any way, but I think he was referring to not being qualified in an academic capacity. Well, that's not what he said. He says, God, he says a pastor. He, he was a lot broader than that. But even then, one does need to know how to teach. And, and, and notice I didn't say go to seminary. You can be academic without going to seminary. I've never gone to seminary. I know other brothers on here who are uh, solid in their doct doctrine, sound in their doctrine, who never gone to uh, seminary. Someone says snacks. <laughs> okay, I'm going to play this. Okay, I'm going to play this because uh, I don't think many people have actually seen this. So I did a short saying. It, it, you'd be amazed how many people push back on my critique of this. Let me see. Uh, so many people had problems with me um pushing back oh let me see sorry this is uh live this is live uh <laughs> see that's why i need a producer <laughs> all right all right uh hold on a second yeah ch virgin no seminary so but you need to be able to teach. But hold on, let me share my screen. Ah, uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Preach when you don't believe the Bible. All right, all right, all right. So, it's cracked. Let me know if you guys can see my screen. If you can hear this. So, listen to this. Listen, listen to this. Look, listen to this guy. Get a bottle. Cookies, Coca Cola. No, just throw it over here. Get it on me. I want it all over me. Who can eat just one Oreo? And don't give me no milk. And don't give me, no, like, Oreos? Oh, my gosh. French fries, Coke, Cheez-Its, Lunchables. My daughter said, Daddy, give me a French fry. I don't know where these sugar cookies come from that be at the store, but these mugs is from the Lord. Yeah, no, just come beef jerky. Cherry pies, these got me through. Goldfishes and my favorite. Ooh, gummy worms. Oh, God, I can't open it. Jesus, get this open. Somebody open this. Could you please open? So, <laughs> this was a sermon on gluttony. And this was the analogy he gave. Let's be real. That's not gluttony. <laughs> having snacks on you is not gluttony and i was telling people this was a terrible analogy and you 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 should guys should go to that short and see how many people are defending what you just saw there you you, you want to know why paul said able to teach that's why mike todd is a a 
a living example of a man who was not able to teach. This is why he has to give you props, analogies the whole time. Can't exegete God's word. Can't explicate what's being done. This is right. It's so true. Men no longer tremble when they come to the pulpit. That's so true. I had the one time the honor of even reading the Bible verse before a sermon. And I remember just my legs just just in, in shaking, just going up there, to, not because of public speaking. I do public speaking all the time, but just the fact of being in the pulpit, like, like my brother said, just no fear of God in the pulpit, just theatrics, games and charades the whole time. Right. I think I've made the point enough, but we're going to continue on because there was much more in this sermon that I do think uh, was not biblical. So. Let's get to this part. I called you my own. That's what made you. So what I need you to do is get my heart. And what I found is that tithing, giving 10%, I found that it's the lowest level of giving. So, and I'm going to expound on this. Um, I'm going to expound on this a little later, but... Hold on, I'll say that in a second. But Mike Todd, let's deal with what he says first. Mike Todd says, tithing, giving 10% of your money, right? That's generally what it is. Tithing, giving 10% of your money, he says, is the lowest form of giving. So you guys who ain't giving 10%, (laughs) you ain't really doing much. But let me just say this. Let Let me say this, that the New Testament commands to give are never qualified with a tithe. That tithing is never a command for a new covenant, new covenant uh, church. We're gonna um, we're gonna get to that in a second. But he, he, you're on the low rung of the ladder, Mike Todd says. If you're not giving over ten percent, mm. or you, if you're not giving ten percent, you're on the low rung. What does the Bible say about giving? Let's let's go to a text. Let's go to a text and um cuz this is important. This is very important. This isn't just something to uh uh he's it's just Mike Todd and shout out to my my brother uh Bess. Everyone download the Solo Search. Some people ask, "Man, what what Bible app are you using?" Solo Search. I am using Solo Search for my Bible here. But notice what it says. Each one, speaking of the Christian, the member of the God's church, must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a true forgiver. We don't have a percentage we're told to give. Now, he's going to contradict himself here in a second, but give what you're able to. Give because your heart desires to help the, the body other members in the church. But there is nowhere in the in, in, in the New Testament for a new test, new covenant church where we're told you must give new you must give 10 percent at the minimum. Matter of fact, he goes he goes higher than these charlatans, these these word of faith wolves. This is this this is terrible. And guys, it's about to it's going to get worse. I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you the truth, but I found like the key. 
Like he found the key. I, I I don't I don't know where he found it because it ain't that key ain't in the Bible, right? At least Marcus Rogers found a key in the Bible. I mean, he, he twisted it, but this key ain't even in the Bible. The tithing key. Where where is where is this key? Most churches and stuff is like if everybody would just talk. If everybody would just give 10% of the income and you sitting there like, you ain't getting nothing from me. And it's so crazy because like 7% of everybody that calls themselves a believer, only 7% tithe. So I now, now, let me say this. Giving is a problem like or not giving is a problem. If you are a member of a church, you should be giving. That money helps run the building. I don't know if y'all know this, but <laughs> church building isn't free to operate. You know, uh, it supports the, the pastor. The pastor should be financially supported. There's a I, I didn't come prepared for this, but the Bible teaches that. Um, yeah, so the Bible never commands. Any kind of print uh, percentage. But it says gives freely. A percentage will put a compulsion. I have to do this. But rather, we are commanded in Scripture to give freely. Give what you can. Are you really going to tell a person in poverty they must give 10%? A person in poverty, that 10% hits them a lot harder than a person in, in their riches. Are you, you going to say that they both are obligated to give that? See, practically, this does not work well. But we're going to see him twist one of those scriptures to try to make this point. But we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Every thousand people, less than 100, give 10% to God. And so the church is always begging people for stuff and all that other stuff. And I like, I like, we're like, ill. Because what God showed me is that 10% is the lowest level of trusting God there is with your resources. And now we're going to see one of his verses, <clears throat> one of the verses that he tries to use. Right. And, 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 and I, I'm not going to ruin the part. We're going to go to it. And people are begging people to get to the first step. Like, just, just one step up. And, and I found out, because the 10%, it's already gone. We're actually going to look at this parable, because it is my opinion that we have twisted this story to make it say something that it's not. Um, I was challenged with this interpretation many years ago. And I want to challenge many of you. So please stick around because we're coming up on that story in a little bit. Right. But let me say this. If you're not giving 10%, but you're faithful in your giving, you're not on the low rung. You're doing exactly what God says. You, you, you have given to the best of your means. You do it heartily because you want to help the body. You're not on the low rung. You're exactly where God is said to do. Right. This 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 actually puts people in a bind. It creates compulsion, compulsionary giving. He's just giving you an opportunity to, to return it because he wants to know where your heart is. The Bible says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Also, that's why right now, some of y'all, if somebody scuffs up your shoes, you ready to fight. Because where's your treasure? Some of y'all check your bank account more than you check on your kids. Now, where does the Bible say this about New Testament? 
It is honoring God, giving back your percentage of what we have been blessed with. Where does, where does the Bible say that? It never does. A lot of our tithing principles have been influenced by word of faith charlatans, by false teachers, even in sound biblical churches <laughs> where I've heard sound pastors preach about tithing in, this, in a similar manner the charlatans do. You never com- we're never commanded to give a 10%. Now, we're going to look because they want to go to theocratic old covenant principles and try to draw those into the new covenant. You cannot do that unless you establish a theocracy. <laughs> the very thing uh, word of faith always tells us we're free in Christ, except when it comes to tithing. It, it, it makes no sense. No sense. I called you my own. That's what made you. So what I need you to do is get my heart. And what I found is that tithing, giving 10%, I found that it's the lowest level of giving. The low level. So guess what? If, 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 you're, if you're just giving your 10%, you're, you're on the low level of Christianity. Right? You're on the low level. Wow. This makes Christianity defined by how much you give. If you want to advance in Christianity, what we're told is to give more. Interesting. This is right. Biblical tithing cannot be done anymore. There's no more standing temple and no more Levites to give into. That's exactly right. You can't even tithe on the base of the old covenant principles. It was surrounded by the, by the temple. But. This is why I, I, I'm a proponent. Re, read your Bible. I, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you the truth, but I found like the key. Like most churches. And- oh, wait, I, I already played that. I played that. Let's. uh. Why I need you to get this is because the other levels, it gets fun at the other levels. But most people spend their entire life fighting with the first level. And it's because I'll take ownership for everybody who's taught this in the wrong way. Most people do not give God's heart when they talk about the tithe and offering. They're using it as a manipulation scheme to be able to get people fearful into giving. The irony in that statement, the irony in that statement is that that's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. Uh, was tithe ever money? Uh, it, was, it was, it did do financially, but it could be with uh, like livestock. Uh, so it so it's surrounded with money. It could be land, uh, but it did involve financial aspects too. Um, but it, yeah, what I I understand what you're what you're saying. But but the irony is, <laughs> he's he's doing the very thing he's saying that other pastors have done. He in the same sermon, in the same sermon, he's doing this. But God tells us very clearly, don't give anything under compulsion with manipulation. See, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to get it in your mind, to get it in your head so it can drop down to your heart and then it can come out in your hand. And so I want you to look at Malachi 3 because this one has been jacked up in the church for a long time. He's not wrong. It has been. If you've been in church for any length of time, when it's time to give, you've heard Malachi 3. Right? You've heard Malachi 3 uh, being abused. (laughs) Right? Will a man rob God? 
because you're robbing him in the tithe and offering. Like, dang, hold on, bro. That don't feel like the God of love that I know. And when I was reading this and listening to this, the Holy Spirit said they got the wrong heart. That's what it says. Notice none of his views are really defined by scripture. Even him disagreeing with wrong stuff is the Holy Spirit speaking to him outside of scripture. See, this is the problem with, with people who are always hearing a word from God. It's not actually rooted and defined by scripture. Yeah, that's right, Rick. No tithe in the new covenant. Not one. You can't find one. <laughs> God told me, he said, Mike, you can't rob me. How you, Mike, for real. How you gonna rob me? The God of the universe? You gonna stick me up and take something from me? <laughs> you can't rob me. Except of the opportunity to bless you. <laughs> and so he's right that you, you, you can't rob God, right? You can't rob God. But here's, here's he actually does worse than the, the, the word of faith charlatans. Because at least the word of faith charlatans are obligating you to a 10%. Mike Todd says it's more than 10%. It, matter of fact, you're not even really honoring God if you're not giving more than 10%. Yeah, Carmen, we're going to we're going to discuss that passage. I hope you will stick around because it is of my opinion. And I'm going to try to demonstrate this exegetically that many of us have misinterpreted this passage. Right. God's will can be thwarted. Yeah, that's a whole nother issue. Right. That's a whole nother issue that Mike Todd essentially is going to say the reason why you're not getting blessed is because you're not giving your tithe or matter of fact, you're not giving more than your tithe. Can a man Hold on, let me address this. So the issue is calling it a tithe and, and assigning a percentage. Well, yes, the Bible never commands us to do this. It says to give freely, to give freely. I really want to learn here. Well, I appreciate you being here, Carmen. I, I thank you for being here and your willingness to learn. So let's let's keep going. Rob God of an opportunity to bless him. Yeah, because. So so now we're being told God can't bless you because of how you're giving in the church. Or, or sorry, your tithe that you're giving? Because like, not just giving, but your, your your specific percentage. Interesting. <laughs> right, right. Says you can't rob God, but then the next very best, you say how you're going to rob God of blessing you. Right. <laughs> Grace and peace to Miss Titus too. That's right. That's right. Uh, like any good father or mother, if you tell your kids, clean your room. Oh, matter of fact, I, I think, Mr. I, I think, this is, I think I saw this from you. I think you might have shared this clip or something like, wow, this is insane. Or I, I, Maybe I saw it from you. Um, if you clean your room, I'm going to take you to this special place. And your kid's like... Hold on, hold on. I got you. You guys got to hear this analogy. You guys got to hear this analogy. If you tell your kids, clean your room, and if you clean your room, I'm going to take you to this special place. And your kid's like, that's great. No, I'm not cleaning my room. And you're like, I ask you to do it my way. Hey, at this house, we keep it clean. Just go clean your room and then we'll go. If the kid continues to tell you they're not cleaning their room, they're not going to do it your way. You would be a bad parent if you still give, gave them the blessing that was already prepared for them. Now, we have this analogy of, you know, the, the child cleaning the room and God will bless them. Right. Uh, and, and there could be some truths in this analogy, so I want to be careful. Um. But 
not when it comes to this tithing issue. Because guess what? He says, well, God doesn't bless you if you don't clean your room. <laughs> That's right. Being equated with tithing. Think about your life. If you're anything like me, God has blessed me despite how I lived sometimes. Right? Could you say, <laughs> right? Haven't you, haven't you sinned and you, God still blessed you? You're like, wow. Wow, how could God bless me despite me rebelling against him at times? This is literally a denial of grace. Despite you, God still bless you and shows his kindness to you. Very interesting. Just very interesting that that was said. By the way, get those likes up, guys. If you're watching this video, like the like the video. It's, it's free to do so. Just like the video, you know. You know how we do it here. Because they do not listen to the thing that you know is best because you're trying to teach them for their future. You're trying to teach them, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, to manage what's small right now. One room in a house, because you know one day, eventually, they will be brought into an entire house. And because they are not doing it your way, you cannot release the blessing to them. May I submit to you that many people in the presence of everybody that's here, a lot of your blessing is held up because you're not listening to dad. Dad said, would you just give the 10%? And, and he said, he said I, you're robbing me of an opportunity to bless you. Robbing of an opportunity. This is a very just man-centered, uh, anthropocentric view of God. A lot of times we import Unto God, what we see from human interaction. Well, my parents do it this way. This must be how God is. No, we can't. We have to. This is why we have to start with the scriptures. Yeah. Oh, this is a great comment. I dare Mike Todd to take this sermon to a third world country or inside the prison system. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I remember asking a word of faith Charlington locally. Does he preach the same message he does in uh, Africa? And he said, yes. Sermons like this only create greed for the blessing and not God. Let me say that again. Sermons like these create greed and idolatry for what God gives and not who he is. Our motivation should not be for what God gives, but who he is. Literally, he's literally preaching Romans 1 the opposite way. <laughs> Right. This this is terrible. We don't serve. Look, if you didn't get anything, this this is how you can challenge your own heart. If you didn't get anything from your giving, would you still give? If you didn't give get anything back in return from your obedience, would you still give? If you say no, you have you are committing idolatry. You are worshiping and serving the cre creature what he gives rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Right. You know, I have to calm down sometimes. I have to calm down. I wish you would trust me. So let's look at Malachi chapter three, verse eight. And I'm going to add that little part on the end. Will a man well, we're not going to listen to your additions to the word of God. And so. Let's let's go to the next video I have here. The next video, I promise you, we're, we're almost there to the mite story. But I want to look at Jesus multiplying the fish and bread first.
because this is a uh, this is important. You're debating with me off of your opinion instead of offering what I gave to you. Oh, that's mad. You, you, uh, uh, yeah, hold on, let's get to it. What I'm saying to you, if God tells you to give an extra hundred in an offering plate or to go to your closet and take everything out that you didn't wear last year but still got tags on it. God said, can I get an offering? Because offering is the place of, watch this, multiplication. See, God's favorite math is not addition. It's multiplication. After you honor him with the basics, when you come up to the second level, boop, boop, then what happens at the second level is whatever you give, he multiplies. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. And guys, I'm going to get to the mic stories. Carmen, I'm going to get to the mic story soon. Hold just I have to I have to play this clip first. Uh, it is about five minutes. So just give me give me give me a second. I promise I'll get there. But notice what he's saying. If you give, God not only will add to the giving. So if you give a hundred, he'll give you tenfold, not in addition, but multiply. Yeah, someone says, this is word of faith doctrine. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're, if you watch most of these charlatans, let's see, that's what I'm going to call them, word of faith charlatans. They don't actually go to the text on giving. They go to a parable about something else. That's right. I want to see him donate all his designer clothes and shoes. You know, that, that's Melissa. That's very ironic. You say this because this man, all the fancy stuff this guy has. Look at the look at the nice stuff he wears. He's not giving <laughs> more than 10 percent. Probably, you know, he's probably of his own, not the churches, you know, but actually of his own. But anyways. Let me tell you, in Luke, there's this story about um, um, the fish and the loaves where God feeds a bunch of people. Let me set the scene for you and you can go back and look at it. Cause I yeah, let, yeah, go look at the text. Go look at the text because in Luke 7, it's not an actual parable of uh, if what you get out of Jesus feeding people with, you know, the fish and bread is a parable of how to give or, or, or a tithing principle. Then you miss the point of the passage. The point of the passage is Jesus. It's, it's, it seems very clear just reading the story. Jesus is, is the creator. <laughs> He's the self-sustaining one. He can create ex nihilo out of nothing. Right? How in the world? See, this is actually the danger of creating a doctrine based on narrative. Right? Right. What do I mean by that? This is often done. You, you guys heard of this one, right? Um, David and Goliath, right? David, he slayed his giant. He slayed the giant. He fell down and you too have to slay those giants in your life. Is that what the passage is about? No. Be careful of people who create doctrines off of narrative and not uh, exegesis, right? Not off of didactic teaching. Like this is what the Bible is saying for you to do. Be careful of people like that. I got 17 minutes and 14 seconds. Um, um, what ends up happening is Jesus preaching to a bunch of people, like 20,000 people in one day. And what ends up happening is disciples get hungry and they're like, we should go tell Jesus like it's time to wrap it up. He's like literally been preaching for six hours and everybody's hungry, especially us. So they go to Jesus and it's like, hey, Jesus, 
Ain't no Chick-fil-A's or church's chickens around here. These people need to be able to go home so we all can eat. And Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. JC, I don't think you understood what I just said to you. What I said. Just no reverence, man. I, I, just no reverence. That's all I'll say. Is there's nothing here. This is a desolate place. There's not enough. And Jesus says, but with me, there's more than enough. The same way he's saying to some of you, God, when I look at my situation, there's not enough to offer anything to anybody. He said, but with me, there's more than enough. He said, what do you have? We got uh, a long John Silver snack pack that we sold from a little kid, two fish and five loaves. And he said, that'll be enough. And then watch what he asked them to do. Sit all 20,000 of these people down in groups of 50. Organize what seems to not be enough. I'm giving you a key right now. Yes, you're giving a key, but it's a key based off of reading into the text. See, because one of the things you're actually missing about this passage is these people, uh, especially in John six, when he or uh, yeah, in John five, when he feeds them, they came because they knew Jesus could do it. And they came seeking the bread. They didn't want Jesus. They wanted what he can give. The very thing you're teaching people to do. That Jesus, he can give you what you want. Guess, think about it like this. You don't have to be a Christian to want everything Mike Todd is telling you you can want. <laughs> don't don't uh, God haters, don't the rebellious, don't the unbelievers want everything Mike Todd is saying? And they go to God for this? This is why you got the Oprah's. This is why you got people who love the prosperity gospel who hate Jesus. Well, if God is true and he's going to give me what I say, I'll practice these principles. As a matter of fact, these people tell you, even if you're not Christian, to practice these principles. Shameful. Shameful. That some of you are waiting for God to do a miracle and he's saying, I can't do it until you organize what you have that you don't think is enough. Did you guys hear that? Did you guys hear that? God has his hands tied behind his back now because you're not doing something. This makes God the servant to you. I'm just waiting for them to do it. And when they do it, I'll. This is a man centered Jesus that Mike Todd is preaching. And guess what? This, this ain't a problem just with Mike Todd. This, this happens in a lot of churches. Where God is under obligation or, or yeah, under obligation to, or to do something or God can't do something because you won't let him. That's not the biblical view of Jesus. Job 42 two. no one can thwart his will. No one can thwart God's will or say to him, what is he, What have you done? Right. Romans nine. You, you, you can't stop God. If God wants to do something, he's doing it. He's not controlled by you. God is not a puppet. Well, God, I can't give like that. He said, find out how much you owe. Find out where your, where your payments is going. Find out how much you need to do this car payment. Find out where the, where, just find out everything. Find out how many Netflix, YouTube subscriptions. You, find out all of that. Organize what you think I can't do a miracle in. And these people, I bet they had an attitude. 41, 42, 42, 44, 45, 46, 47, 44, now sit down. 43, 45, 45, sit down. And they probably like, God, why? This don't even make no sense. All we have is two fish and five loaves, and I can eat that by myself. And you telling me to organize 
God many times will ask you to organize your situation so that you can see how big of a miracle he's about to do. What did the disciples do? He says, bring me the, the thing you think is not enough. And look what it says he does. Ooh, I love the Bible. This is in Matthew. Um, no, we'll go to Luke chapter 9. And I'll just, for sake of time, I'm going to go to uh, chapter, I mean, verse 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed it. That's the tithe. We gave it back to God. He blessed it. It's not the tithe. <laughs> but no, notice he takes this, takes this text about Jesus and turns it into tithing. What? What hermeneutical principle allowed him to do this? Well, the Holy Spirit told him, I guess, gave him the approval. So we're not allowed to question it. Right. Inserting this into the text. He didn't demonstrate it. OK, for time purposes, he didn't. But there's nothing in the text that allows this to be a tithing text. So this is this is what you call eisegesis. You're you're inserting into the text what actually is not there. Is it? Then he broke them and he gave them to the disciples. Now, hold on right now. I gave you my little bit. You broke it and gave it back to me. Not the whole thing, not the multiplied thing, less. How this about to work? And then he said to them, now go offer it to the people. Go give offering, give it away. Jesus, the math ain't mathing. I gave you my little bit. You broke it. You gave it back to me. And now you're telling me on top of that? Give something away? I bet they had an attitude. Take just a little bit. Take just a little bit. I said... Notice he's actually adding to the text. Like I said, be careful of people who even add to the, to the story to, to fluff it up, to make it better. Right? N notice so much he's adding rather than just explaining the text. See, what... When the Bible, when you actually do love the Bible, you don't have to do this. The story is good enough. <laughs> you, you don't have to Hollywood it up. Right? This, this, this is an insertion at the very least. Right? And God bless you, bro, for the super chat. Prime Minister 66. God bless you, bro. This, this is an assertion. LaShonda, get your nasty little greedy little boy. I said take just a little bit. And when it See, I, 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 I said this recently that most pastors don't actually uh, preach, um, preach the text right, exegete it. They're winning you on comedy, right? The pastor's funny. Like most, pe most people who, uh, who, who disagree with me, those, he's so funny. Where is that as a qualification of an elder? Right? Who cares if the pastor's funny? I don't, I didn't come for the, I didn't come to, I don't need my soul watched by a comedian. I go to Dave Chappelle for that. I need my soul watched by a shepherd who can teach the text. Teach the text. Nowhere does it say in a qualification elder, he must be funny. He must be charismatic. Just preach the text, man. We, 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 we don't have enough men able and or if they are able, they're not teaching the text. We have enough Mike Todd's. To the last thing, the miracle doesn't happen in Jesus's hand. The miracle happens in the hands of the disciple. What? 
Bro, what are you talking about, man? Wait a minute. Who are you? Say, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. What? Yeah, God bless, bro. I appreciate you enjoy this. Yeah, yeah. This is an example of pulpit crayons by James White. Comedy without a license. Yes. Right. And, and by the way, I'm not saying a, a pastor can't make a joke in the pulpit. So I appreciate that clarification by uh, Rick. Call, comedy without a license. That's right. He says the miracle didn't happen in Jesus' hands, but the disciples. I, I, I mean, if, if, <laughs> if that doesn't say a lot, I don't know what will. I don't, I honestly don't know what will, right? All right, <clears throat> I said I was going to do this, so let's get into it. Let's get to the, uh, I, I hope Carmen is still around. I hope Carmen is still around because <laughs> I've been promised, I haven't seen a, a, a comment, comment in a while. But uh, I actually want to get to the two mites story. Because it is my opinion that this text has been used by many word of faith charlatans to prove why you should uh, give out of your, your lack or poverty, right? It's actually been preached more so to like poor people. Uh, just because you don't have enough, you still need to give. Like that, that's the, that's the uh, uh, attitude or the spirit behind that. Don't say, hey, you don't have nothing to give because this woman gave. And the assertion is she was blessed for her giving. That's actually not said in the text. That's not said in the text, but that's what's being assumed by people like Mike, Mike Todd. Right. Uh, so actually, before we get to the. Uh, let's see, before we get to the text. I think it's important for us to read the text. Okay. I am a big proponent on reading the text of scripture. All right. Carmen's still here. Good. 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 Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Okay. So here we are. This one's for you, Carmen. All right. So hope you, hope you are blessed by this teaching here. Let's look at the text. Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, right? So the scene is painted. You have rich people putting their gifts into the offering box. And then this poor woman comes up, poor widow comes up, right? And puts in two small copper coins, right? And Jesus, and he said, truly, I tell you, this poor woman has put in more than all of you, all of them, which is true. She she gave everything she had. For they contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Now, it is the assumption by many that this text is approving what she did. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure that Jesus is actually pointing to this woman as a model on how you should be giving. What's my reasoning for that? Why would I say that? Right? Why would I say that? Let's actually go back just to the last chapter. To And you know what? I'm going to challenge you with something. Do you actually know what comes before this story? Most people don't. Most people have no clue. And remember, 
Uh, remember, there is a uh, hold on a second. Uh, let's see. I want to make sure I uh, make sure I have all the details. Someone's saying there's a story with more details, so let me uh, check that one out. Uh, oh, 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 all right, so sorry, 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 sorry. Should have been prepared for this. Uh, let's see. 41. All right. I think I got it. Hold on. Oh, yeah. It, it pretty much says the same thing. I'll, I'll read that version, too. Uh, Mark 12. Let's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. My brother says chapter breaks are not inspired. So. Um. So I'll read Mark 12. It's no problem. 41 through 44. It says the same thing. And he sat down opposite the treasure treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. So I love this. Jesus is very analytical, right? He's watching. <laughs> He's watching this. I can imagine him just shaking his head, right? Many rich people put in large sums and a poor woman came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciple to make to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So it's, it's, it's essentially the same thing, right? Um, what comes before this story? Like I said, I want to challenge you. Because it is not my belief that this is actually a, a positive example. I actually think Jesus is, is showing, well, before I give it away, because I want to prove that point. Jesus is showing how bad false religion is. You're saying, how, how, how could you get that point, Kata? How, how could you get that point? Well, let's read the passage before this. Let's give, let's see the passage before this. Right? Uh, Mark, or sorry, Luke 20, starting at verse 45. He says, in hearing of all the people, he said this to his disciples. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplace and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honors, honor at feasts, right? Who devour widows, houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. I don't think this is an irony that these two stories are put together. Because what we have is Jesus rebuking the Pharisees and how they on how false religion can manipulate people, even the weakest of them. And the next story we're told is a widow who's weak, oppressed, how she's being, it seems to be manipulated to give everything she has. I don't think that's an irony. But we've. Don't you see the connection here? Jesus even talks about how they devour widows. And what's the next passage? About how a widow is being devoured. I, I, I don't know how we made this a, 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 a example of how to, when, when, when it seems Jesus' point is, this is sad. That's, 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 the, that's the conclusion I get from this story is Jesus is watching a woman deceived by false religion. Not 
an example on how to give money. You think Jesus is literally condoning this woman, giving to a false religion, to the Pharisees, to the temple he already has established, is, is financially motivated and made his father's house a den of wolves? You think Jesus is condoning that? No. The point is, and like I said, I'm not the only one that said, that have said this. Men like Justin Peters, John MacArthur have, have said the same thing. False religion, my friends, my, false religion will take advantage of anyone. That's the point of this passage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Jesus observed the exploitation of the poor and the widows. That's right. That's right. And you want to know the funny thing? Because many people like I'm even seeing people. I've never thought about it like that, but it makes so much sense. Right. <laughs> when you actually read through the text and, and guess what? Mark 12 has the same story before it. Same same pretty much uh, example. Right. Beware of the scribes. Beware of these people. And then he gives an example of how the, the scribes manipulate people. I don't think that's a, um, I don't think it's a irony. Those two passages are together. See, but when you don't actually uh, do exegesis, when you don't, uh, you know, exegete the passage, as someone says right now, Christian thinking, shout out to you, read what comes before and after. You create whole narratives, you, ho you create whole doctrines based on one narrative. We do this the same thing with the woman uh, who, who finds the penny, right? So many stories we've been taught by parables, oftentimes they're parables, have been totally ripped out of their context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brandy says, uh, makes a lot of sense. Yes, <laughs> when, you, when you read the text, <laughs> it just makes sense. Like, wow, that actually, and, and guess what? I was the same way because I was taught this version. I was taught the version that, that this woman, she was, she, see, she gave all she had. See, you need to do the same. You read a couple verses before you like, wait a minute. Huh? This woman is actually a, a uh, victim of false religion. Jesus is observing the very thing he just taught. <laughs> Isn't that the crazy thing? Jesus is telling people, beware of the scribes, the Pharisees. And he sees an example of the very thing he's talking about. He calls the disciples over. See, I can almost imagine Jesus saying, I told you. Look, remember when I just told you about this? Remember when I just told you about this? Here's an example. Here's an example of what I just told you. You know. Exposition of scripture, verse by verse, helps to connect the dots. That's right. That's right. There's something about just walking through the text that makes this more simpler. That's a word, right? <laughs> uh, so we've taken a woman deceived by false religion and turned her into a virtue for the whole church to follow. Right? That's the terrible, that's the sad part of this. Yeah, 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 Kiana. I was mind blown too. Like, you know, I was just sitting down like this. I was like, that makes so much sense.
so much it's not strange because guess what it never actually tells you jesus never actually approves the woman's actions go look at the text he never says this is good he makes an observation she gives from all she has the assumption by many they're reading into the text that she did a good thing that's not jesus answer he never says that He never says that, right? Oh, yeah, you got to rewind, bro. You got to rewind. <laughs> but let's hear, after hearing this example, after hearing an exegesis of the text, let's hear Mike Todd. <laughs> I blessed you to be. Oh, hold on a second. Let's, let's, uh, says it makes sense, but how I read, read it was the people who think because they are rich and give a lot and more important, but that Jesus says she is the one who has given more. Although she, yeah, that was a true statement, but read before it. Jesus is, is saying this woman is a victim of uh, false religion. So if you just isolate the text, Mike Todd's view is plausible. But if you actually read the whole uh, pericope, right? The whole, whole text, So was the rich man right then? What, what what are you talking about right? The point the point isn't about the point was Jesus is saying this woman is a victim of false religion by the scribes. By the scribes. I I don't know how you can read this and say Jesus is approving this woman's actions given what we just read. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she gave she gave more value that's that's true because she literally gave 100 percent so you're saying that we should be like the other person <laughs> what bro what are you talking about man <laughs> you shouldn't be like either person <laughs> they're not that's not a parable of who you should be like and who you shouldn't be like jesus is showing an example of what false religion does be like neither don't be like the person oppressing the poor and don't be the poor person being led by false religions they're not a model of what to be like neither of them they're both bad <laughs> let's keep on i blessed you to be a blessing and listen one of the greatest sacrifices was a woman who gave two mites who, who? All these people were coming to the tabernacle and they was laying down racks, throwing down bands of money, guac, cheddar, cheese, whatever other. Uh... I, and guys, I want you to hear how I explain the text versus how he explained the text. Salad. <laughs> Queso, whatever type of money. They were throwing it down and Jesus was watching. The Bible says how they gave. He was not watching how much they gave, how they gave. And then That's actually not even true. That's, that's not even, he was watching them give. That's what it says. <laughs> he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. See, when you add things into the text that aren't there, and in both versions it says that. Matter of fact, let me go to the. Yeah, neither of them. 
say what he just said. It doesn't say, it just says he watched them put the money in there. It doesn't say he watched how they gave. See, when you can't prove your point by exegesis, you have to add in little slight variations. Right? Didn't say that. It, nothing about the text would conclude you to take that. Yeah, that's right. He low-key be added to the description, then high-key be taking them out of context. That's right. Consistently. That's right. It never says this. So it's your your position that it was more the disposition of the heart? I, I don't believe that the text will allow you to see that, given the context. The context is about a person, even widows. It's funny. Jesus brings up a widow. He's in his example. How Pharisees and scribes even devour widows and then a widow comes walking up in the next scene is that just irony or is the is the author right luke and mark bringing up an example of false religion i think the latter but we'll, we'll let him continue this woman drops in two mites and jesus says look at that it's like y'all see what just happened it's like no my man just dropped down a lot of racks he made it rain in here that was fantastic <laughs> jesus said y'all are looking at the wrong thing that woman right there all these people yeah we're excited about them they gave out of their abundance but this woman right here gave sacrificial this woman has my heart nowhere in the text does it talk about her heart at best it's reading into the text but my position can be exegeted to demonstrate that this is an example of what Jesus had just been talking about. This is why exegesis is so important. What comes before, what comes after. Right? No, no, nowhere does Jesus ever mention her heart. That's a reading in the text at best. Right? He, he, he never, it's assumed He's talking about a heart because Jesus never says he never says it's good. What just happened? The negative inference is dr driven from what Jesus is talking about. Widows being devoured. And here you are having a literally a woman being devoured by false religion. Jesus is not condoning this woman's actions by giving to a false religion. Like I know I know the religion. I know I just told I, I know I just said that. You know, th th that the temple they did is, you know, I had to drive them out with whips. But hey, this is good. They're giving money. No. No. That's not good. Jesus is not condoning her actions. And so. um, Yeah. So this is that's Mike Todd exegesis. And, and like I said, I the reason why I did this video is because I think it serves as a good example of what popular exegesis, quote unquote, looks like. And hopefully example to you, what biblical, actually diving into the text, not just asserting something, right? I didn't just assert that, but we walked through the text together. We walked through the text together, looking at before, right? Can you please give the scripture you're talking about? So we're talking about um, we're talking about Luke 20, um, to 21, Luke 20, 
if we, let's see, Luke 20, 45 through chapter 21, verse 4. I'm not sure about your commentary on this one. I mean, I would, I would, you know, encourage you to, you know, respond to it. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, you get, I, I believe I demonstrated my, 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 my case, you know, that false religion is a dangerous thing. And Jesus gives an example of it. I don't, I, I don't believe I read into the text. Jesus told the young rich man to sell all this stuff to get into heaven. <laughs> well, you need to sell your your iPhone that you're tweeting or you're you're chatting this on because you ain't going to get there, buddy. If that's if that's you you all you want to notice people's interpretation of that always got the most stuff. <laughs> so I would encourage you to get rid of your iPhone or Android that you have. Uh, no more YouTube for you, buddy. Because <laughs> if you ain't got no stuff, I don't know how you go be. I lost one subscriber if you're subscribed, just because you got to sell all your stuff to get to heaven. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> very interesting. That's not the point of that passage. The point of the passage is not to be tied to idolatry, to your things, right? Hold it with a loose hand, so to speak. That's right. Uh, Mike Todd exegesis is to extract the fun and his agenda out of the text, which is literal eisegesis. That's right. That's right. One, one more, one more clip. One more clip. Guys. Whatever God's asking you to do, whatever level He's asking you to go, and if you've never tithed before, take Pastor Daniel and Hope City's challenge to start tithing for one year. I promise you, you can never beat God doing what He asks you to do. Thirteen years now, me and Natalie have been tithing faithfully, and every year God's taken me to another level. Why? Because He said, "I see somebody who's doing it my way." The challenge, the uh, tithe challenge. This was this was for me for sure. Well, Carmen, I'm I'm very thankful that you learned something. Hopefully, you'll stick around if you're if you're not subscribed. So, I, I appreciate that. This is my first time seeing you in here, so I do appreciate that. Um, let me. Uh, he said it's is just that God has always been about the contents of someone's heart. He said she gave more. Her offering was a sacrificial one, knowing she was in poverty, yet she gave all she had. But the text never said all that. It never said it's about her heart. It just made an remember Jesus is watching. So he's observing what she's doing. Yes, she gave more, but that wasn't the point of the passage. Right. That wasn't the point of the passage. The point of the passage is she's being <laughs> a victim of a, a false religion. What qualifies you are right. I mean, the text, that's <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that question. What qualifies you to question me? <laughs> I mean, you want to deal with what I said or just ask, why do I think I'm right? I explain why I think I'm right. Grace and peace, dear world Christian. This makes so much sense. Many of us read into the tech. Great segment, sir. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Nowhere in the scripture also to respond to this second clip. Does it ever tell you to do the tithing challenge for a year? What if someone says, even from his perspective, well, I tithe for a year and I lost so much money. Is he going to say now, well, I guess I need to change my position because it didn't work. This is actually what's called pragmatism. You go with what works. Um, right. And, and this is another issue Jewel preaches about. He, he's tying obedience to merely giving. Nothing. If you go listen to that sermon, 
it was t- obedience was never tied to anything other than giving. Very interesting. So, yeah, the passage doesn't say you're correct, but I believe we can both be right. Well, I think this shows a problem. If the passage isn't saying it, then we can't say that's what it's teaching. So I think this actually draws out a, a an issue for a lot of us that we can't just come to doctrines because it sounds good. Oh, it was about our heart. We got to get to the heart of the matter. That sounds good. But that's not what the passage is actually teaching. Right. I mean, I'm, we have to go with the point of the passage. Right. And so let's see what else we got here. By the way, I'm against tithing. Yeah, I, I know you are. <laughs> uh, yes. Jesus is identified the rich man's idols. Pre- descriptive, not prescriptive. Right. That's right. Amen. Um, <laughs> Mike Todd is always the heroes in these sermons. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, uh, another person we respond to, <clears throat> Marcus Rogers, right, uh, is the same manner, right? But we have to teach what the text teaches. We can't, we can't come up, man. It just sounds good, you know. There are many people who who come to doctrines. It's plausible, but that's not actually what the t- text is teaching because it sounds good. We don't have liberty to preach what sounds good, but what Scripture says. We are ambassadors for Christ. You know, ambassador does not have the liberty to change the message of the king. Right. The, 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 an ambassador doesn't have, even if it sounds better in his opinion, we don't have, we don't have liberty to take. We have to repeat what he said. So we don't have liberty to fancy up the message. Milton says, love the new studio. Got a question. How do you study? How do we study the word effectively? Any tips? Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's kind of something I've been kind of bringing out this, this, this whole video is exegetically verse by verse is always a good, good way. Going through the passage, uh, walking through the contents and the context of the passage, not saying more than what the text says. (laughs) That's always a good, good, good way to keep you out of trouble. Um, um, Diving into the historical matters, that, that's good as well. But honestly, being familiar with the Bible passages helps so much. Familiarize yourself with the context of the letter. When I did this when I first became a Christian. I would try to remember, so I did this with the book of Romans. I need to do this with other, other books as well. With the book of Romans, I got the main idea from each chapter. Now, yes. The chapters aren't inspired, right? Chapters are uh, modern invention. It's not <laughs> right inspired. But the point is, I would know the, the main idea in many verses in that passage, right? So Romans 1, uh, 2, and 3 really speak of the same idea about Paul laying out the sinfulness of all humanity, right? And around verse 30, 23 in Romans, Paul starts to lay out how man is justified. How man is made right with God. And he really carries that idea all the way to chapter four. And then in chapter five, he kind of returns back to the idea of sinfulness. But the federal head being Adam, Romans six, uh, the, the, uh, you, you have Paul talking about uh, us not being slaves of sin anymore, but slaves of Christ. 
Romans 7, the battle against uh the battle against sin from the believer's perspective. I know people will disagree with that. Uh Romans 1, Romans 8, no condemnation in sin. Uh much more to be laid out there. Uh but really the spirit's role in all this as well. Romans 9, you have God's sovereign election. Uh Romans 10 is really an evangelistic chapter. Uh and, and so you can do that with all the Bible, get the main idea in the chapter. So, man, someone starts talking about justification by works, Romans 4, let's go. <laughs> You're ready. So I would encourage that, uh, knowing the main idea of each chapter in the, and do this with many books as Bibles you can, right? Um, sorry, I just went on a tangent there, but hope that helps help, help answers your question. Uh uh, yeah, I agree with my brother Rick. Kato was rightly challenged that we don't have the text in context, then we don't have the meaning. That's right. That's right. That's right. Context, context, context. Amen. Um. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that was helpful, man. Hopefully that was very helpful to you all. Hopefully this was a good uh. Good live for you guys. Uh, I, I do want to share two things, two, th two things. Tomorrow, I will be having a discussion with an atheist on the topic of abortion. You guys don't want to miss this. Uh, please be there. Please show support. Um, this issue of abortion is sickening and maddening to me, and I want to deal with it. I want to deal with it at its head. And I, I, I you want to see anything make me mad? Abortion. I literally hate abortion. I will go to jail for an abortion. For, and what I mean is to stop it. Uh, that's how serious I am. Um, and maybe one day it'll be that. Um, certain things I'm willing to go to jail for. <laughs> but and, and what I say is my view on abortion. I'm not going to do anything illegal, but hopefully that makes sense. Um, what time? The plan is 430. The plan is 430. Uh, so, uh, stick around for that. I also want to, a uh, promote a brother who comes to this channel. He's been a long supporter. I, back when I had like 200 followers, <laughs> this brother has been supporting me literally ever since we met, uh, we go to the same church. Um, he, uh, he's, he's been very supportive my whole ministry. His name is Bess. Uh, let me share something of his. And I hope you guys would, this will be a great presence for some of you guys to give to your husbands, to your, to your wife. Um, man, I, I just think these are good stuff, man. I got to get me some hoodies. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing a shirt right now and I, I'll kind of, I kind of want, matter of fact, uh, I kind of want this to be the, the all things theology gear. So this is what I'm wearing right now, right? It says Jesus is God. He died for our sins, then rose from the dead, repent and believe. Any questions? And so these are very good conversation starters when you're out and about. And so that's one reason I'm promoting this. But, oh, let me give the website, perfectgod.com. Matter of fact, let me uh, type that here. Perfectgod.com. It's in the chat right now. So you guys will be able to see it. Um, look, man, there's so much good stuff on this website, man. Uh, it, it, it's good. Look, look at these uh, shirts, hoodies jackets and they're reasonably priced as well you know jackets a little more expensive but hey these would be good christmas presents um and most of these you can like change the color all that 
Um, look, look, this one's 16 bucks. That's 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 real expensive inexpensive hats. We got beanies. Uh, look, Letterman jackets, kind of hoodies, uh, a fleece vest, uh, stickers, you know, real good. See, for the ladies, you got the like the, the nice little pink right there, a woman's fleece vest. Look, hey, look, we got some for the ladies with the aprons, right? <laughs> uh, right, uh, see, all so all theology, but no relationship. Got it, okay. I never said that, so I don't know where you're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, look, look, I mean, so I hope you guys will take advantage. Look, aprons. So, hey, look, ladies, we got aprons for you. So while you cooking your man a nice little sandwich, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't shoot me, please. Don't shoot me. But, yeah, I just wanted to support my brother in the Lord, uh, his uh, his ministry, his website. I am hoping to revamp this, uh, my website, kdubtrue.com. Maybe we'll, I'll have to talk to him about having this uh, on my website as well. So, uh, but yeah, man, good stuff to get, good stuff to get. Hey, we're going to be continuing upping the channel here. I appreciate everyone's support. Guys, make sure you're liking the video. It's a free like, you know, support all things theology, your favorite podcast, right? Come on, man, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so hey, so much, so much in store that I'm doing. So much uh, plans I have. Uh, I know there are quite a few of you who who, who do support. Um, I, I'm all about it. Cancel me, <laughs> cancel me. I'll be going in. Uh, I know there are quite a few people that. Uh, oh, someone's saying, do they ship to Japan? I don't see why not. But email me, and I will find that out for you. Okay, if you email me, my email's in the description. I will find that out for you. Um, I know there are people who do support this podcast uh, financially with Patreon and YouTube membership. They get to see a lot of content before it comes out. And so I do appreciate those uh, people who do support. Um, and then you who just watch and um, who watch the video, um, who like the video, who, who, who are interactive in the chat. I, I, I tell people all the time, man, this this is a... Uh, interactive podcast it's not just me up here talking you just guys watching me but i put comments on the screen right i uh yeah yeah hold on i i, I gotta do it i gotta do it <laughs> it's been a while since i did this guess what hey for those who appreciate it i appreciate you and those who don't if i make you feel some type of way Hey, this podcast ain't for everybody. So I, this is why I do appreciate for those who do like the content that they they watch the video, they're interactive, all this. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Theology without the characteristics of God is religion, not relationship. I said nothing about not modeling the characteristics of God. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no clue because you're not responding to anything that I'm saying. You're just kind of going with your own assumptions it seems because i didn't say don't have the characteristics of god one well, the ones that we can actually have because get into the immutable characteristics the communicable it's a whole nother thing you know but so i do appreciate everybody for watching we're gonna wrap this up today i appreciate you watching make sure you like the video on your way out you know how we do it here on all things theology right grace and peace y'all grace and peace hey till the next time y'all grace and peace